This is Issues 2018. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Kevin Fish, Executive Director of the ARC of Sedgwick County. Welcome to Issues 2018. Good morning. Thanks so much for the opportunity. You know, I like to start with the basics. What is the ARC of Sedgwick County? <laughs> well, well, we're a nonprofit organization, and we serve people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Uh, when our organization began in 1953, uh, we were known as the Association for Retarded Children. Uh, the R word has a lot of stigma these days, and so nationally, uh, we changed the name to the ARC uh, back in the uh, early 90s and have been the ARC ever since. I was going to say the R word does have a little stigma to it. Uh, so you were saying, uh, you've answered my next question. I was going to say, how long has the ARC been a part of our community? Maybe how did it begin? Yeah. Said, yeah. Uh, 1953. Exactly. So how did it begin? What happened? You know, um, you know, back at that time, or, or late 40s, early 50s, if you had a child that was born with an intellectual disability, Down syndrome, uh, et cetera, basically a parent was told you have two options. Um, one, you can put your child in an institution for the rest of their life, or you can plan for your child to never move out of your home. Uh, at that time, they weren't allowed in public schools. They didn't have employment opportunities. And so it was pretty overwhelming. And so we literally had some parents who put an ad in the newspaper, the Wichita Eagle Beacon back in the day, and said, this is a decision I'm having to face. If you have a similar challenge, I want to meet you. And 31 parents came together. Uh, one of those parents, Wilma Martin, um, brought a Better Homes and Garden magazine that had this little story about the Association for Retarded Children that was being developed uh, at a national level. And so we started the first chapter here in the state of Kansas back in October of 1953. So how many kids, uh, people did they start out with? I'm saying kids, but how many people did they start out with? Well, with those 31 families, um, you know, it would have represented probably about 35 kids, their kids at that point in time, one of the first things they did is they went to all the public libraries and the bookstores that had any books about disabilities. Because at that time, there was just no place to go. And they literally put a card in the front of the book. So if a parent came to buy a book or to check one out because they wanted to know what to do with their child, they were able to make a connection. So it was an incredible outreach, a very creative group at that point in time. And and from there, they were able to bring in more families. Yeah, that's before we had Facebook and social media. And that's pretty incredible. Incredible. Exactly. I mean, how do you spread the word back in the early 50s? And th that was a creative way for them to do it. You, you got out and moved around and did it. Exactly. Okay. Uh, and, and at that time, you know, they had some opportunities to get on TV. There weren't a lot of TV stations at that time, oh. but anytime they could get out there and let families know. And then they started the first preschool uh, for parents who had children with disabilities. It was the first preschool in the state of Kansas for those kids. Um, and as that program grew and developed, um, we partnered with Hattie Starkey, who had a little school in her basement, since our folks weren't allowed in schools at the time. And they took over the preschool program, and we moved on to an employment program. Um, and again, trying to get our people and opportunities to work uh, in the community. So what we did was really started the first shelter workshop. Uh, we connected with a group of Elks who took that over, and it became Catch, the Kansas Elks Training Center for the Handicapped. So we were well connected. Two or three things have grown out of this. Exactly. Where, well, where did the name come from? Well, again, since we started with, uh, we didn't want to be called the Association for Retarded Citizens. Um, you know, we'd progressed from children to citizens, um, but we are part of a national organization. And that was really a movement from our self-advocates, our, our adults, who said, you know, we don't like that term and that's not how we want to be labeled. Um, and But we were so entrenched in the ARC that they just decided, well, we'll kind of keep that, but we'll be the ARC. And, and it's, again moving people from being closed in their homes to the community. So it was a bit of an arc into the community. How are you funded? Uh, we have a variety of funding sources. Uh, obviously, um, 
community support is a huge thing for us. Uh, we do a number of fundraising events throughout the year. We've got a lot of generous donors and supporters. Uh, we're also a United Way organization. Uh, so we've got a couple of our programs that are supported through the United Way efforts, uh, and they have been a phenomenal part partner for us from clear back in the day when they were community chest that helped those early programs get going. Um, we are one of the larger case management providers, and for a lot of that, that is covered through Medicaid dollars uh, for those who qualify for that so that there, again, is no uh, cost directly to those families. Uh, and then we do have some fee-for-service that people want to pay to go on one of our trips, uh, some of our camps, um, but we rely a lot on scholarships, and again, that's through community support. How many people do you help? Uh, each year, we have about 3,900 different people who come through our programs, uh, and, and it's virtually sp- split 50-50 as far as youth and adults. We're here to support people throughout their lifetime. So um, one of our programs that has been uh, grown phenomenally has been our Circle of Friends Mentoring Program, which is in area schools, uh, in which we had about 2,300 kids who were involved in that program alone. Uh, it's involved about 50 area schools, and we are matching up students who are in special education uh, with a, a, a typical age uh, buddy, and they do activities within the school. And then we put together some activities that the schools can come and participate in and help them to sort of foster relationships. So that connection isn't just in a classroom, but really about developing uh, true a true relationship. So they do activities after school, and, and it's just been phenomenal to see the growth and change. How, uh, uh, how do you determine who gets your help? Who gives us help? Who gets your help? Who gets our who help? Who receives so, what you your well, services? We we serve anybody with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Anybody, and okay. anybody. So really, you know, a, a family who has some sort of a challenge, they'll give us a call. I received a call yesterday, a parent saying, you know, um, they may not qualify for state services in some fashion, but because of uh, you know growing up in special education, they're saying, you know, I my my son has uh, high functioning autism. And he's sort of falling through the cracks. What can you do uh, to help help connect him with something? A lot of our programs focus on uh, social development, getting people out in the community, helping them to be more confident in who they are. And, and we really feel like that's pretty important because, you know, all of us, um, are, we don't just work to work. We work to have a quality of life. And, and that's being able to spend time with friends and family and enjoy things in our community. And so we try to make those opportunities possible. So we really don't turn anybody away who comes and says, this is sort of my need. Now, we do try to connect them with other supports and services because we feel that that's very important as well, that they understand what resources we have. And Wichita is very blessed to have a lot of wonderful service providers. Well, I want to go back to Circle of Friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm thinking what I got was that you take one of uh, – your clients, uh, and you put them in a, in a school with a, a person who's not your client, and that person has to uh, has to has the opportunity to be with the, uh, one of your people, and you know, got to be a friend. Exactly. And that's that's not only good for your kids or your people. That's really good for the one who's helping, right? It, it is, and and it really it's it's changing the culture. You know, I know when I went to school, the kids in special education were kept down the hall. They didn't go to lunch with us. They didn't go to recess with us. They weren't at the ball games on Friday nights. You know, so you sort of grow up assuming something's really wrong with these kids, and and we wanted to change that culture. Um, we would have over the years with our summer program a lot of wonderful young volunteers who come in. Sometimes mom just didn't want them sitting on the couch. Some needed community service hours for something they were involved with at school. They'd come to volunteer for a week. They'd fall in love with the kids. They'd fall in love with the program. 
And we just saw this change in these young volunteers. And that really inspired a lot of what we do with the Circle of Friends program. It's that, you know, if we're able to impact 20 to 30 volunteers in a summer, how can we do that in our schools and our community? And through the Circle of Friends, we've been able to do that because, again, they, they find out how much they have in common. They, they, they develop a real relationship. Does that relationship last sometimes? It, it does. It's, it's phenomenal because, you know, we'll hear about how the kids then graduate from high school. And we all, when we graduate and you go different directions, you don't necessarily see your friends all the time. Um, but we're hearing all the time how that buddy who went out to KU and stuff, he calls his buddy um, whenever he has chance. They, they communicate on email, through social media. When they're back in town, a lot of times they'll do activities. But that is, is so important. And, you know, it, but sometimes it's a, it's a bit of a challenge because you do get separated. And so one of the things we've been developing is a, an adult mentoring program to sort of fill in that gap. And we call it Cornerstone. But it's very similar in, in concept. And, but it's about for those who have graduated that they're not seeing every, each other every day in school, but trying to make sure that, they can, that there is a relationship that even if that buddy is out of town, can we connect them with somebody here locally that they can still do some things with? I'd like to talk some about your services and programs. You've already uh, filled me in on two circle of friends and cornerstone. Uh, what about, uh, what is yes with two S's? What's that? That's <laughs> misspelled, by the way. <laughs> well, it's youth education and summer socialization. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and, and we did go with that acronym on purpose because, you know, when uh, we, we literally had a parent who came to us who was looking for a better summer alternative. Um, a lot of the schools will offer extended school year for some of our students who are in special education, but it's typically a half-day program. Uh, it, it's usually about six to eight weeks of the summer, um, and it wasn't necessarily Monday through Friday. And so we had an afternoon recreation program, you know, so the parents could pick up their kid and then come over. Uh, and the parent was, you know, shared that, you know, it's a real challenge. I'm a working mom, and for me to, you know, go pick him up and then bring him over here, um, and it doesn't fill the entire summer. It's just a real challenge. And so they started talking about what would be the perfect summer program, not only for our kids, but for our families. You know, something that would fill the summer, something that would give them not only the education piece they need, but the the socialization in the afternoon. And so they went to the park department and said, would you partner with us? So they went to the school district and said, will you get involved with us? They went to the United Way and said, can you help make this happen? And they all said yes. And that just seemed appropriate. So mm -hmm. yes was uh, formed. Uh, we're in our 30, this will be our 32nd summer this next year. And it's been phenomenal to see our kids literally grow up with this. So they can start in the program at age five. Uh, at school age. Uh, we divide them up based on their ages. Uh, so we've got five different age groups that we serve each day. We do a theme each week that keeps it fun because no kid wants to go to school year-round, but they love the YES program. And so we'll do a theme that they can tie all these activities to. So it may be you know, Wichita, air capital of the world. So stuff that we're studying in the classroom ties to that theme. So they may be counting airplanes for math. They may be reading stories about flight and how that works. But then in the afternoon, we go out and we experience it. It may be going to Exploration Place. Uh, it may be getting a chance to do a flight simulator or going out and seeing airplanes. Mm -hmm. uh, we've built airplanes. We've done all kinds of things that, again, involve the kids and give them these incredible experiences and encourage them to really socialize. Uh, for some of our kids, they've never eaten in a restaurant before they got involved in our programs. <laughs> you know, sometimes the parents aren't confident about taking them out in public and doing some of these activities. Right, right. Uh, one of the things we hear a lot is our students with autism don't like change. They don't like crowds, you know, and, and we sort of generalize what they can and can't do. But when the structure of the day is taking them into the community and is doing all of these activities with the group, 
they become more calm and, and, and comfortable with that situation. And it makes it better for the entire family. And then these families try to get out and do those activities more. Do you, do you have anything that's anything like a traditional summer camp? Well, uh, and, know, and like swimming pools and hiking and all that stuff. We do all of that at Yes Camp. Oh, so that, yep. that's a yes. Okay. That is that yes. So uh, every every day we're going out and doing uh, activities. Now for our adults, we do what we call Camp Pride, and and now that's just a one week residential camp, um, but uh, that is uh, gives a, a chance for our adults, and we have people travel in from around the state. Um, and for years, it was a real camp, camp, roughing it kind of a camp. Um, the last few years, we've been at the hotel. <laughs> and we call it Hotel Camp Pride. Uh, but we have less sunburns. And and because uh, we, we've literally had campers who've been coming for 40-plus years. Fewer snake bites. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Right. No, fewer mosquitoes and there such. You go. We still do a lot of different outings. And we'll go out and we'll go horseback riding and, and do a lot of stuff outside of the hotel. But uh, it's a little more comfortable than... Uh, than a traditional camp, but uh, it, it, it again it gives people uh, a wonderful opportunity to to come together. And we have some people that this is the only event maybe they come to. We have people who travel in from around the state every year to come to Camp Pride. You're listening to Issues 2018 on the Intercom Radio Stations, and our guest is Kevin Fish, Executive Director, the Ark of Sedgwick County. Uh, now I'm going to take some bullet points that I pulled. Pretty much off your webpage. Uh, tell me about the ARCS Learning Series. What's that all about? Yeah, our, our Learning Series, it, it is focused for our families. And, you know, again, going back to those very early parents who said, what do I do? Uh, where do I go? What questions do I need to ask? And so we'll take a variety of different topics through the course of the year and say, okay, um, transitioning out of school, what does that process look like? What do parents need to know? What questions do they need to ask? And so uh, we did uh, a, a series back in April on that transition, and we had 94 families show up, just packed the place out and, and talked about things like establishing guardianship, understanding what that means and how that process works. You know, how do you enter services? What questions do you need to ask? How do you apply for funding? And so all of these pieces are, are very important for families. And, and sometimes they don't know the questions to ask. Um, and then part of that is then, okay, from what you've learned tonight, what else do you want to know? And, and it gives us then the next topic. And so we have people write down on a card and say, okay, well, I'm told I need a case manager. What does a case manager do? Yeah. And so we'll use that topic and say, what is a case manager and what do they do is the topic. And then we'll walk fam families through that so they understand how they should utilize the, that case manager in their lives. What are pride performers? Well, our pride performers are performers. <laughs> We've got some individuals <laughs> who are incredibly gifted, and, and we use that as a great awareness uh, uh, activity and event. Um, one of our most popular, Corky Siebert, and a lot of people in Wichita know Corky because he's done so many different events and activities. Um, but he, he's a, a savant. Any song he's ever heard, he can sit down and literally play. Uh, he, he is He's blind. Uh, has some mild uh, learning disabilities, but, but that savant aspect where he just hears something on the radio, and, and it's just phenomenal. The kids, uh, when we go to schools, just absolutely love him, and you just see this change from when they first walk in and, and see this big guy who, who's clearly blind uh, to at the end where they want to give him a hug. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got uh, a number of other performers, uh, Donnell and Rebecca, uh, again, who work so hard at their gifts and talents and love to share. Uh, and again, it helps us to spread that message, not to focus on somebody's disability, but we should all focus on what we can do. What are our abilities? Right. 
Tell me about self-advocates. What, is, what does that mean? Well, our self-advocates are, are adults who, again, are striving to become very independent in the community. And when you talk about somebody, an, an advocate, it's somebody who represents or speaks on one's behalf. And so a self-advocate is, is just helping our people to find their own voice, to represent themselves, uh, and, and helping to make some real decisions and choices in their lives. Uh, many of them are, are working in the community, living in the community. Some are married, have bought their own homes, achieve things that a lot of people never thought our folks could do. Um, they're, they're role models and they love to volunteer. They're one of our most active volunteer groups uh, and they do so much with us throughout the year and, and love to give back to support those younger ones coming up in our programs because they remember what it was like to be 8, 10, 12 years old and, and they want to see some positive things happen. Uh, and so they love to come and volunteer for a variety of activities throughout the year, including our, our big lights event coming up. Rose of Sharon, what's for that? Our community garden. And, and again, that was one of our teachers who uh, worked at the YES program for a number of years. I was getting ready to retire. She loved gardening and said, you know, I really think this is something the self-advocates would enjoy. And so connected with our group, and we built a community garden back behind our building. Uh, and it is a community garden. we got several of our neighbors who come over and do plots. Um, but they learned how to grow all kinds of things. They were growing peanuts. I've never seen anybody grow peanuts in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a salsa garden. Everything you need to make salsa is grown in a particular garden. Uh, and then and Kathy, who, who leads this, uh, will go through, and they, they taught them how to make salsa and how to, um, to can the items that they make. Uh, and every season they do something different. So it's been a great opportunity for them not to only learn gardening, but then also learn how to give back. And so they'll take stuff to the food bank and over to retirement homes. So. Tell me about targeted case management. What does that mean? Well, our, a case manager works with our individuals to help them connect whatever supports and services they need to reach their goals. So it may be that they're wanting to move into the community, employment in the community, um, and they help them to figure out what steps need to be taken to get to that goal. And they kind of help them. They assess where they're at, uh, connect them with the supports and services in the community. I would love to have a case manager, somebody to keep me on task, make sure I reach the goals that I have. Uh, and our case managers are phenomenal. We're the largest case management provider in this part of the state, and one of the fastest growing because they do a great job. And so uh, we, we serve over 500 individuals in our case management department alone. Now let's talk about, uh, I want to talk about the ARCS lights. Douglas at St. Paul, this goes, how many years have you been doing the ARCS lights? Uh, this will be our 23rd year this year. Okay, 23rd year. Tell, tell us where it is and what, is, what all is involved there. Yeah, we are located over in West Wichita, and it starts um, at the corner of uh, Douglas and St. Paul, which is four blocks west of Meridian. Uh, it goes up St. Paul and then enters uh, our uh, our building, wraps around our building. We have a tunnel of light to drive through, and it wraps around our neighbors at the Independent Living Resource Center. And, uh, you know, over the years, it's become our largest fundraising event, and uh you know, for years, people would come through and, and, and drop some money in a bucket. Uh, we went a couple years ago to doing admissions on the weekends, uh, one that helps to sort of control a little bit of the traffic and shifts a little bit more of that to the week. But one of the things we didn't want to do was eliminate anybody. If you, if you can't afford to pay 8 or $10 to come on a weekend, uh, it's just a pure donation during the week. And you give what you can give uh, Monday through Thursday. And uh, and so it, it's a way for us to kind of give back. For a lot of people, it's become this holiday tradition. Uh, but it's it's a, an important event for us, not only because it, it raises dollars, but it also gives us some outreach into the community. Every year we find new families who didn't know we were here when they come through the lights. And they get a little information about who it is we serve and what that those programs are about. So this year it's uh, Thanksgiving, November twenty. 20- 22nd from 5:30 to 9 and then uh, 
Is that opening night? Yeah, opening mm-hmm. night is on Thanksgiving every year, and uh, yeah. and we run through December twenty eighth, right. and we open every night at five thirty. Weather permitting. How many cars, how many people do you think go through there? Have you ever uh, counted them? Well, yeah, we have well over 100,000 people every year. You're uh, kidding me. No, we've got um, about s- over 17,000 vehicles last year. Uh, the number of party buses and vans and stuff continue to grow. We get buses from all over the place that drive in to, to see the lights. Uh, so, no, it is has been a phenomenal event for us. What other fundraisers do you have? Uh, our newest event uh, this last year, we started Eat, Drink, Give, and Enjoy, Edge, uh, giving an edge to people <laughs> okay. with disabilities. There you go. And uh, it's, it's sort of a, a fun gala type event. Uh, we've got uh, dinner with a lot of different food vendors from around town who are donating. Uh, we've got uh, some wonderful uh, entertainment, sharing a little bit of, of the story about who we are as the ARC. Uh, we have a silent auction, live auction, and just a lot of fun activities. Just really a fun evening. And um, this last year was our inaugural year, and it was just a, a much. It was a huge success for us. We really weren't sure what to expect as we were sort of making shift with an, a new type of an event. Uh, but we've got a great team working towards this next year, and we'll be doing that in April 11th this in uh, 2019. And so we'd love to have people who'd like to get involved to, to join us. Any other fundraisers? Talk uh, about the lights. Yeah, the, the, the lights is, is clearly our biggest. Um, through the course of the year, we partner with a, a variety of groups who help uh, us in some fundraising efforts. The Cars for Charities event at the first of the year in January. Um, is uh, was once known as Starbird Devlin, um, okay, but Cars, yeah, Car, yeah. Car, Car, Cars for Charities. Right, event. right. We're one of the uh, beneficiary agencies for that, and uh, we love to volunteer and assist. But it is fantastic that you got this group who who are leading this charge, putting together this amazing event, and then turn around and giving all the money. And so we appreciate that. Talk about your staff for a little bit. Who are the people who work for you or with you? Yeah, you know, we've got uh, an incredible group that are, are passionate about what it is we do. Uh, our in, our case managers are our biggest department. We've got 18 folks, uh, many of which, I mean, are lifers. They have been doing this, uh, been in uh, developmental services their whole life and love what they do and why they do it. Um, and, and that's so much of our team, our, our average uh Tenure is is well over ten years, which is is not usual for uh, most service systems. Um, but we've got several people who've been there fifteen, twenty years plus. And again, it's because they're passionate about what we do. Um, we, but we use a lot of volunteers. For I was going to say, do you do. have that? Was my next question: then. volunteers. <laughs> what, what's your volunteer core like? Because uh, well, last year we yeah. had almost twenty eight thousand hours given by volunteers. Wow. And now an event like the lights takes up a good portion of that. Almost 6,000 hours goes into to building that event and running it. So we're always looking for volunteers. So if there's people in the community who would like to get involved, and it's whether you want to help with a project like building or running the lights or uh, helping at an event. Uh, we just had a youth activity day uh, where we invite in the, all those special education classrooms, and we had over 500 who came. Uh, and we did a carnival. We had needed people to run carnival games. We needed people to to do the snacks. We made cotton candy and popcorn and snow cones for everybody. Uh, takes a lot of hands to do all of that. Um, and the fact that we can get volunteers to do so much of that work, it one keeps the cost down, but it gets more people involved in what we're doing. Okay, so if somebody wants to get involved as a volunteer, make a donation, or any other way with the uh, Ark of Sedgwick County, what should they do? Well, they can contact us, uh, whether by phone at 316-943-1191, or go to our website, arc, A-R-C, 
arc-sedgwickcounty.org. It's kind of a long one, arc-sedgwickcounty.org. Uh, and there, again, there's places you can connect with us to, to volunteer, to donate, to learn more about the programs. Uh, and please share with families, any family you know that may have a need. We're always looking to how we can connect more with the community. All right, Kevin. Hey, listen, thanks for spending some time with us. It's been very informative, I think, for not only for me, but for our listeners this morning. We appreciate all that you do. And, and yeah, thanks for spending a little time with us this morning. Our guest is Kevin Fish, Executive Director of the Ark of Sedgwick County. That's all for this edition of Issues 2018. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.